Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. McCollum, left wing, he'll drive it with four, cut off, back up with three, got to get a shot up, three-pointer at the buzzer for the win! It's gone! It's gone! It's gone! JV and McCollum wins Bedlam! JV and McCollum wins Bedlam! A three-pointer on the wing! And Oklahoma gets out the brooms in Stillwater! McCollum with seven seconds near midcourt. Defended by Keller. Hesitates. Now drives it left, but cut off. Three seconds. McCollum, left wing, three-pointer at the buzzer is good. And Oklahoma wins. that sooner magic now baby where's that sooner magic now and they stay there and they say yeah and they say the biggest shot we've seen in a while maybe at the most needed time on the road against the rival bedlam overtime clock ticking down for the win I don't know. Save the season, perhaps. If you lose that game, I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about right now. I mean, Oklahoma State. What are they second to last in the Big Twelve yeah. right now? I mean, we're talking about not missing the tournament if that shot doesn't go in. We literally said that the entire week going into that game. How important it was, yeah. right? So if we were saying that before the game, I don't. I think we'd be at least having the conversation today. Season saving. I yeah. I, I think it could fall fall into that category and for a guy too that has kind of been struggling here for the past few weeks you know waiting for Mm -hmm. JV and McCollum to regain form or hoping he would regain form like he was earlier in the season I don't know if this changes his season around I don't know if this is the defining moment of the year and OU goes on a run to end the season I I just know that that shot's going to be remembered and probably talked about for a long time it was not a yeah. matchup of two top 25 teams, but given the circumstance, it was a massive moment, man. Massive moment. Yep. yep. I think it was a, a huge moment for this year's team. I think it was a huge moment for McCollum himself. He he needed something like that. Um, it's been tough going for him. It just hasn't been smooth. His, his three-pointer hasn't been there like it was early. You know, he's still been a, a massive contributor for the team, um, but he needed he needed a big moment like that, I think, to uh, to get him back on track. Hopefully, that's the case because, buddy, it is. Let's uh, save the season, but it ain't over yet. No. We, you, no. know, you got four tough games left, and the next two are going to be brutal. Well, here's your toughest week ahead: um, at number eight Iowa State, and then number one Houston at home. 
This is your toughest week of the of the regular season. But man, forty two points in the second half. I know some will say, "Whoa, you scored eighty four points on Saturday." Yeah, it took overtime to get there. Oh, you scored forty two points and a half on on Saturday. I like it. I yeah. love it. They did not shoot the ball well in the first half, and it all came together in the second half. They made a run, took the lead, and biggest shot that I can remember for OU hoops in, in a while. And and by the way, um, we talked on Friday. The spread was at OSU, or excuse me, OU minus two and a half when it opened. OSU actually closes the favorite in that game. Mm. That line mm. moves mm. all the mm. way to the other side, and OSU I think was a one and a half point favorite at tip off. Yeah, well, um, I'm glad they got it. Yeah, it was it did, beautiful. It didn't always look great. God, you know, it was beautiful. There were there were moments in that game where it was like, oh man, this is close to slipping away from them. But man, they really came out a half and answered nicely. Cut that eight point lead, think down to two, or maybe even tied it up in a hurry. And you know, we're right there at their heels, Oklahoma State's heels, the rest of the second half, and. Had a chance maybe to to win the thing there at the end of regulation the last couple of minutes, but uh, got it to overtime and, you know, hit the game winner. What can you say? It was sweet, man. It was, like I said, the opening segment, best possible outcome for that game. For them to get up 11, and you know they were thinking, we got them, man. Final Bedlam game in Stillwater for hoops, too. We're going to get them. Heck, maybe we even blow them out. And to beat him that way, and to beat him that fashion, that that one hurt him walking out of GIA, which is what you wanted. Perfect yeah. outcome, less than ideal look on that final shot, but the the perfect result, which even makes it better, man, that you hit a shot that uh, that level of difficulty to win the thing. Yeah, um, headed to Iowa State though, who is top ten team, really good defensively, and. I don't think they've lost a home game this year, have they? I think the last time they lost a home game was when OU beat them last year in Ames. <laughs> Probably right. No, I no, I'm serious. Yeah. I think that's actually the, the the stat. Yeah, they they have it going right now, playing really really good basketball. So, um, going to be a tough one. They've got they got a win over Houston at home. They've got a win over Kansas at home. They've got a win over uh, Tech. TCU, I mean, they've got they've 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 uh, held serve really nicely at home. So it's going to take something special to go in there and get the win. But you never know. That's why you play the game. When was that Iowa State game last year? It was on February twenty fifth. So three hundred and sixty six days since the last time they've lost a, uh, a a game at home. Wow. Maybe you yeah. can, maybe you can end that streak as well. No, hey, look, Bedlam. Men's hoops was awesome on Saturday, but it was a weekend full of great things around here, man. Yeah. I'm going to try to mention all of them. I'll probably forget one or two because so many great things happen. What, Friday night you had OU Women's Gymnastics, who's a blue blood in this sport. They, they run that. Um, highest score in program history. Fourth highest in NCAA history. Wow. So that was a great way to start off the weekend. Um, OU softball was, what, 5-0 and on the weekend at the Mary mm-hmm. Nutter. They've got 67 consecutive wins now. OU baseball, 3 out of 4. They win 20 to nothing in their first game against Wright uh, State. scored like 44 runs in the first three games. 
<laughs> OU women's basketball won Bedlam convincingly. And if they beat Texas at home on Wednesday, OU women's hoops will be the outright conference champs. Wow. OU tennis beat two really good teams, including number five, North Carolina State, yesterday. OU hockey beat Oklahoma State. OU rugby beat Oklahoma State as well. Nice. Think that's everything, that? but that is one of the more memorable weekends we've had around here. I feel like in in a while, it was nice. Yeah, I baseball and, and Wright State's been a pretty good uh, program in the past, uh, right? And they make a regional or, or something recently, and um, they've been decent. And we put them on them the first three games, and I'm guessing the fourth game of the series uh, up three zero, they probably after some of those big scores, probably got pretty deep into the lineup with some guys giving them some opportunity. So, awesome stuff. 5-8-0, biggest shot since Buddy's game winner against Texas or Isaiah Cousins' game winner on the road versus LSU. Yeah. And I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, that was awesome. It was great. 405, who was the OU player yelling, go home at the Aggie fans, SGA style after the game? What Was it not the guy who hit the shot, JV and McCollum, yelling, go home? I don't I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe. maybe I'm not it, exactly sure. Maybe, I think, think in the moment, right after he hit the shot, it was, but maybe you're just talking about some other point. It looked like there was some some pretty intense back and forth going on there. Yes. A minute or so. Two minutes after the shot, kind of as they're everyone's clearing the. They're waving at the, the fans as they walk yep. out. It was beautiful. That was awesome. Uh, Reno Goat says, "After this weekend, I'm ready to take on the Pokes in some meat judging." <laughs> at their number Careful. That as well. Careful meat judging and uh, baby girl cornhole. No, baby girl vibes there, huh? Yeah. Uh, Creek Sooner says, "Considering all the setbacks." The last time we played them, getting this win in Stillwater was oh so sweet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The last one on that type of shot that's going to be replayed a million times, as as you pointed out earlier, like that's the that's the best way to do it. If you could do it like that, it's it's like whenever uh, we have to go to Manhattan and watch that stupid highlight video twenty <laughs> years later. I actually think that's funny because it I annoys you so much. I do too. Uh, it's 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 funny for multiple reasons, but maybe the best is that it look it makes it look like they've got the crappiest jumbotron in the world because yep. it's like it, the quality of the video is so horrible. Nine one eight three hundred and sixty six days since Iowa State last lost a home game. OU softball says hold my beer. Yeah, it's been mm. over three hundred and sixty six days since they lost a game. Period. Right. Yeah. Which, they, what's the count? What are we up to now? 67, and they play a doubleheader okay. on Friday, so be advised awesome. on that deal. Awesome. Yeah, they uh, they had a much better weekend this time around. Beat a good Mississippi State team on Friday, turned around late in run-ruled Wisconsin, got back up early the next day, and who they beat that game? San Diego State, I believe. It's a good good weekend all around, 5-0 and for the softball team. And they, they are throwing they're put they're throwing a lot of pitchers right now. Yeah. And they go legitimately like five, I think even six deep at this point. Like SJ Guerin got her first appearance last week in Louisiana, and it was like this 
it, it's gotten to the point where it's like this. It was this feel good story last weekend. They put her out again this weekend. I think she went an inning and a third, inning and two thirds scoreless. So I don't think that she's the ace of this team or anything. But it's kind of gone from oh yeah, this is a fun story to oh yeah, she can absolutely help this team this year on a regular yeah. basis. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, they. It always helps to have that type of depth. I mean, that's that always to me in. I don't know. We have a great defense, which I don't think they get enough credit for. Um, oh. Always great offense. But I think the real thing that separates Oklahoma in in the tournament, whenever they finally get there and get into postseason play, is their number two and three pitchers are way better than most other teams. Like Their number one pitcher is better, yeah, but there's a lot of teams that have an ace that's pretty daggum good. It's those two and three pitchers for Oklahoma that really separate them. Yeah, well, and because of that, their ace isn't, you know, stretched thin by the end of the season. Right. You're you're seeing OU's best in the rotation, one, two, three, fresh at the end of the year because they do throw so many arms throughout the year. Like softball forever was, let's have, kind of to your point, was let's have one dominant ace and then a good number two that can take the pressure off her at times, right? Yeah. OU's like, forget that. Like, they had three legitimate aces last year. They've got six arms this year. We don't want to have just one or two. We'll have six arms that we'll throw. Yeah, you can go through a series and like maybe only only see the same pitcher, you know, one time. You know, and most teams have their ace, and you're seeing them one, two, three, however many times through the lineup. Maybe even again in the next game of the series, and that's typically not the case with Oklahoma. And that's a big advantage for them. So I and I so I do agree with that. That is a big separator for from OU from a lot of other teams. I will say though, I think my biggest separator for them or what stands out amongst anything else is the fact that when the game is close or even if it doesn't look good for them, they're down a run late. Ugh, this isn't looking too good. Feels like they always come back and find a way to win a game. Yeah. I, I just I don't know if I've ever seen a team that just when you think, uh-oh, they may be in some trouble. Nah, they're really not because they always seemingly find a way to come back and win. And I don't yeah. think that anyone is taking this for granted. But I tried to make this a point. put out a new Diamond Envy podcast yesterday after the games. It's just like, we're witnessing something that's never going to happen again in college softball history. With you know teams like UCLA going to the Big Ten – OU and Texas going to the SEC, the best conference. Like We're really consolidating the best teams in the two best conferences right now. And the ACC is pretty good, too. But the point is, the way the sport is moving, and with the talent being spread out equally, maybe a little bit more and more, I just don't think that we're ever going to see a run like this again. So yeah. like, take it all in, because this is pretty incredible. Probably true. Now, Unless here- OU breaks their own record, I guess that's entirely possible. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think the 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 two teams that have the best opportunity to stop the win streak are going to be Texas uh-huh. and Oklahoma State. Yep. And you're you're at Texas this year for that series, and you got Oklahoma State the last series of the season in Norman and. I, 
how horrible would that be? Last series with Oklahoma State. Don't even don't even utter that. I'm just saying Please. the pressure like uh, they could play themselves into like a super high pressure situation there. Or even if you were to lose like you you won the series last time you were in Austin. You won the series. On all accounts, going to your rivals park and winning a series two out of three at their place is what you're looking for. Texas celebrated like they won the national championship. They don't have That's right. last year just by winning that one game that ended the, the last winning streak. That's right. So don't yeah. lose to that clown Mike White. Going to be a fun year. Going to be a fun year. There's going to be I, – I don't know how long the, the streak's going to go, but there's going to be some tense moments from teams that maybe didn't expect and – Maybe some heroics to keep it going. I don't know. It's going to be wild, though. But, yeah, Friday starts off. Love's Field. I can't wait to see what, what that place looks like packed uh, for the for the first home game. It's going to be cool. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at Newcastle Casino today. Stay tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. I love playing sports, especially for my school. And that's because school sports are special. It's where it's safe to fail. It's where we're taught resilience. Where our fear becomes confidence. It's where we learn to get back up after every fall. School sports are where 7.8 million students go from I can't to I can. This message presented by the OSSAA and the Oklahoma Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Placing an emphasis on compassion, communication, and emotional support. Here, you're not just a patient, you're family. Let us stand with you on your journey to healing. To learn more, visit OklahomaBreastCenter.com or call 405-307-2623. Final hour on a Monday. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Keep the text coming. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, I found a list today of the five best non-conference games in college football this year. I know we're not worried about the non-conference slate around here because there's not seemingly a great non-conference game. Which Who cares? We're more worried about the SEC slate. Tell me how many of these top five, though, uh, you're genuinely interested in. And it's going to lead to a question for me. Okay. Uh, Miami at Florida is listed as one of the five best non-con games this year. I feel like Uh, that's week one. Yes, I'm interested. Okay. I mean, not nearly as interested as I am in probably most of the others. But, you know, I think it's a big year for Miami. I think... um, for the two Florida's programs, be, it, it's it's yeah. not going to mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but for those two coaches, it's going to mean quite a That's bit right. potentially. Sure. Texas at Michigan, week two. Interested in that. Yeah, well, clearly interested in that. Let me ask you something. Let's Can I back up to the Miami-Florida thing? Uh-huh. Are we in a weird position to where now we are rooting for SEC teams to beat other people? I'm, no, uh-uh. I'm not there. Okay. Well. All right. I'm still in a position to root against Miami. I feel like, if <laughs> okay. anything, I'll root against SEC teams in the non-conference. All right. All right. What, is, yeah. what does that say of I me? Think, well, I think now with the 12-team playoff, you root against everybody everywhere. Yeah, I think I'm... I'm you want all the, all the good teams to lose. I'm definitely not going to start rooting for Texas. I can promise you that. I don't care if they're in the SEC or not. 
Go Michigan. No doubt. Go blue on that one. Uh, anything to add on Texas and Michigan before we move on? No, no but I do think that that is I – mean, I, it's a really interesting game. Do you know who Michigan's opener is off the top of your head? I mean – no, but that's I'm sure their head coach big... will be suspended for it like the past two years. <laughs> I mean, that's a big test right out of the gate for a team that's, you know, they're the reigning national champs. You know, they've, they've got a new head coach. I mean, there's going to be a lot of continuity for them, but uh, it's still, I mean, that's a, that's a brutal early test. They got Fresno State first game. Clemson and Georgia, I believe that's a neutral site game. Yeah, well, I guess how long before we seriously start to worry about Dabo and Clemson? He's the highest-paid head coach in college football right now. I know, and remember last year down the stretch, you know, he got that tough question, and, and you know, he I thought he answered it really well, but the, the fact remains that, you know, you've, You've you've got that fan base to where they're used to a certain level of football team, and you haven't had that team in a while. And I don't know how long they're going to give it before they start to get restless. Um, I actually found a, one of these games I will be rooting for an SEC opponent in the non-conference. LSU and USC. That game's in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be rooting for the conference in that one. USC's got a tough little early part to their schedule. I know they play Michigan fairly early, right? LSU early. Well, I think they got a pretty difficult end to their schedule as well. It's, it's I think yeah. it's it's difficult all around for USC next year. Best of luck yeah, to those guys. For they got their LSU first game at Michigan third, Wisconsin fourth, at Minnesota fifth, Penn State sixth. So that's that's a. That's a tough early part of the schedule. And then the fifth mention here, I mean, it's kind of a non-conference game, though Notre Dame plays a lot of ACC teams. Florida State at Notre Dame. It's half non-conference, half conference in a way. Yeah. Well, um, I I don't know. I like Notre Dame in that one, but why am I drawing a blank on who their quarterback is? They got Riley Leonard from Duke. That's right. Another That's transfer right. quarterback for him. Yep, and I think even better than the quarterback they had last year that transferred and in. How about this? Is your new world of college football? Who's the? Who are the two quarterbacks going to be in that game? Okay, <laughs> Notre Dame has the Duke transfer, and Florida State has the former Clemson, now former Oregon State transfer, and DJ Uyunglele. Okay, all right, sounds good. Golly, that is that's that's a good point. That's weird. <laughs> that's I really crazy. mention all those non-conference games to to really kind of bring up this. Are is the future? Is that going to be gone of the days of multiple great non-conference games? I wonder if the non-conference mentality is going to shift at all with the conferences, the new playoff, the uncertainty. If we're going to play eight or nine conference games in a few years. I know OU's got Michigan on the schedule. Texas has Michigan and Ohio State on the schedule. And maybe you play those home-and-homes. I hope OU plays Michigan. But are we routinely going to see an upper-ends 
non-conference opponent every single year if it's a yes. nine-game conference schedule like everyone thinks it's going to be. Yes, and I think it's because of we're going – well, I, I say yes. I, you have to remember it all comes back to the networks. The networks want those games. That's what people watch. And when the networks want those games, the network get those games. So I think you're going to. Now, I'm not sure what it's all going to look like because I still believe that they're going to do that upper division that, you know, maybe it's two. You've got the SEC and the Big Ten, two giant conferences, kind of like you have in the NFL in some different divisions. I don't know what it's all going to look like, but I think the scheduling is going to end up being much better. And everyone's still going to play maybe a couple lower-tier games because, you know, they feel like they have to to keep those other schools afloat and pay them money to come in and not look like they're just destroying the second level of college football. But I do think that you're going to get good games. I hope you're right. I just remember Matt Rule saying last week, like, why would I play any high-level non-conference opponents right now? Like, look, look what the Big Ten looks like. Look what my schedule looks like now compared to what it used to. Well, I know that their situation's different than, sure. you know, they're just trying to get to six wins at this point. I just hope that's not the attitude by everyone else. Well, I don't, it's not going to matter. Like, that, I think the scheduling is probably going to be, to some degree, taken out of people's hands. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I think you're going to have. I think it's going to look a lot like the NFL, where you probably have however many conference games, and then you'll probably cross over and play a game or two from the Big Ten or, or you know, what else, what other conference it settles on, most likely the Big Ten. OU will play the Baby Girl Conference, which means all the California schools in yeah. non-conference. That's what that means. Yeah. I kind of think that's what you're going to see, and because you're going to – I think you're going to end up having a, a commissioner, and I, I I think that some of the scheduling's probably probably going to be taken away from the athletic departments. Creek Sooner says, I've always been torn on this. Would you rather have Texas lose all slash most of their games, including to us, or win all slash most of their games but but lose to us? I want them to win most of them. I think – we are better as a football program when Texas is better. I agree with that overall point. And beating them is more fun. Beating them is fun regardless. But it's a lot more fun, I think, when they're good. It's just the road to get to that point is it's kind of – It's tough. Yeah. Well, well it, just it, think, it's man. with it. Like, you would hope that – you would hope – that they're in a good spot when you play them, but you're not going to root along the way for that for that to be the case. That makes sense. One of the last two times we went to a national championship, or when and when's the last two times Texas went to a national championship? Oh, when both programs were nationally relevant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times did it happen from 2000 to 2009? Yeah. We went in 08. They went in 09. We Six went in times. 04. They went in 05. Yeah, I think. I think the two programs feed off of each other, and um, that rivalry drives the program to new heights. So, Ardmore Sooner says, We will never root for the SEC. Lesser programs root for their conference. Never at OU. Good point. 
That's true. I speaking of the SEC, I don't I mean are they gonna move it to fourteen teams in the playoff? Yeah, at some point. I'm trying to go back and find what I read on Saturday, essentially saying that with the expanded playoff, the SEC and the Big Ten are here okay, here it is. The Big Ten and SEC are pushing for four guaranteed auto bids from their leagues. That's too much. Big Ten and SEC want eight of the twelve in the in the playoff. That's too much. Four I mean, guaranteed automatic bids, ma'am. Maybe it's not. Let's see. Last year in the SEC, your four auto bids would have been Georgia, Alabama, Texas, and Missouri. Well, I mean the. Pac-12 was still around, so throw Washington in there. No, no, no. I'm saying four auto bids. It, the, you would have had the top four teams in the SEC. Okay, so I thought you were talking about conference champs there around the country. No, 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 yes, no. yes, 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 yes. No, just, yeah, you would have had Georgia, Alabama, Texas, and Missouri. Right. I think I think what the SEC is going to argue, and, and it's a fair point, it's, okay, well, if you're not going to give us a certain amount of automatic automatic bids like four, then you better take into account that our teams are playing better teams than any of the other conferences week in and week out. That has to be weighted. Well, I mean, yeah, they are right now. I mean, things – there's an ebb and flow to things. And, you know, the SEC's had it going for a long time, and there's no reason to think that – that's going to massively change, but there is an ebb and flow to things, and I don't I, four. I mean, maybe four is not too much whenever you think of it, but I don't know. I just kind of think of the auto bid thing as it's kind of silly to go four deep on the auto bid. I mean, they shouldn't limit you, but. What if your fourth team just flat out isn't very good? Is that really what's best for everyone? I don't think so. I think the you know what the SEC and Big Ten are trying to do. Hey, we run oh, this yeah. thing. Let's, let's try to get a little they're, bit of a hookup here. They are. They're trying to negotiate to, to find a way to make the most money, and I understand that. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left here from Newcastle. This is the Red. Fly. Learn more at hhs.gov slash giveblood. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. McCollum, left wing, he'll drive it with four, cut off, back up with three, got to get a shot up, three-pointer at the buzzer for the win, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, JV and McCollum wins Bedlam, JV and McCollum wins Bedlam, a three-pointer on the wing, and Oklahoma gets out the brooms in Stillwater. There's T-Rose call from Saturday. OU wins at 84-82 over Oklahoma State. Bracketology has the Sooners as an eight seed. Not back in the top 25, but OU did uh, receive some votes this week. Heck, maybe if you just go one for one this week, it doesn't matter which win you get, maybe you're back in the top 25 because you're going to have an elite win if you can just beat uh, either Iowa State in Ames or Houston at home this weekend. Okay, I'm going to ask you an impossible question. Which 
game is more likely for them to win? A road game in the Big 12 against uh, a number eight team? Where they or haven't a lost home in game. 366 days. Yeah. Or a home game against the number one team in the country. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think it might be Wednesday night, not Saturday night. I, just, yeah. just because of just because of the matchup, the matchup. with Houston. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good defensively. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I think in that Iowa State specialty, too, is there – Really yeah, it's not like Iowa team. State's bad on on defense or anything. It's, right. I mean, I don't know if there's a good answer to that question. But I, that's do, the best I do, I do, I do think I agree with you. I, I think, I think Houston's just a a more talented team. I mean, not by not by some huge margin, but I think it, it's probably easier to overcome the atmosphere than it is the talent. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean. God, did was Alabama number one when they beat them? Number two last year. Number two, okay. Do, they yeah. didn't beat them. They dominated them. Dominated the LNC. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's home against the number one team in the country, and you got the energy, and you got the crowd, and hopefully we find out. Hopefully they win at least one of those, and we say, well, yep, there was the right answer there. They actually did mm-hmm. it. They actually beat them. That would be awesome. But Kelvin coming back on Saturday and Hollis and Qantas and Kellen, that's going to be a cool deal. That will be cool. That 7 will be really p.m. Cool. start time. Don't see a lot of OU basketball games on Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. No, but that's that's cool. Is it still on ESPN Plus? Yeah, it is. <laughs> really? Uh, hold on. Maybe I have the wrong game pulled up here. That's so weird. Uh, Wednesday night is definitely on ESPN Plus. Okay, it's on ESPN Two. I was about to say that's weird to be on ESPN Plus be that late. Yeah, ESPN Two. Kind of defeats the purpose, I think. But yeah, okay. In other news, Jack Mildred wore it. Ante Jones wore it. D.D. Westbrook wore it. As did Teddy Lehman, Tinker Jones, or Tinker Owens. And uh, some other former Sooners as well. Now JFA will don the uh, number 11. Jersey change. Jersey number change for JFA coming up. Wearing the number 11. What do you think? Um, I like it. The high school number. Apparently, uh, Parker was telling me that Casey Thompson, he, he wore uh, 11 as well. Offered him some cash for that number. JFA said, yeah, no thanks. Keep your money. I'm taking number 11, please. It's arguably the most successful number in OU history, so it can't be a bad thing. Why don't they both just wear it? They're not going to be on the field at the same time, and it's not like there's not seven other number 11s right now anyways. It's true. A lot of duplicate numbers out there these days. All their quarterbacks should wear the same number. Why not? Yeah, I. Yeah, I, we're not going to run a two-quarterback. Try to. I was trying to think if OU's ever – if they done anything recently with two quarterbacks in the backfield at the same time. Because that's a very popular take, right? If your backup's good and he's got some speed, well, hell, just put him in the backfield at the same time. Did Baker and Kyler ever do that in 2017? Uh, yeah. Didn't they? At least one play where they in the backfield for the same play. Well, wasn't that what happened at Georgia? Um, yeah, I think that actually I think that did happen against Georgia. 
But that's the only one. The other ones were like the fake Baker Mayfield limping off. Yeah, and... <laughs> Baker like fake limping off to the sidelines, and here comes Kyler to run in. Yeah, nice fake on the limp there, Bake. Yeah, and uh, but I don't know. I think that's that's cool. If he wants wants eleven, he's got it. If he's more comfortable than that, look good, play good, I guess. And um, man, that's a hell of a number, Jack Mildren. Ted Lehman, Ante Jones, D.D. Westbrook, Tinker Owens, Daryl Royal wore it for a year, Bobby Warmack wore it, and probably several others that I'm totally forgetting about. Mm-hmm. There's a few national award winners with that, with that number. Kobe McKenzie wears it on defense still, right? Correct, yes. Didn't Benito end up wearing it Yeah. to close out his career? Yeah. Yep. Well, um, I'm I'm glad he's got he got what he wants. Now, uh, I hope he has a hell of an off season and comes out guns blazing next year because it's gonna get it's gonna get real pretty quickly. And um, I don't know, man. I'm anxious for him. I'm or I'm anxious to see him. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna perform really well. Yeah, I guess I just – do I have concerns with him? Like, sure, yeah, of course. But it's like nothing nothing physically that concerns but, you know, me about Jackson That's what I was about to Oral. say, though. What's the concern? The concern is just simply decision-making. What would be yeah. it? You know, like arm strength, accuracy, athleticism. Like, that's – I well, we, we tried to tell it, like, don't take too much away from a bowl game like that. And I, I think that that's fair, but – we saw in the bowl game what he can do physically. Like that's 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 not an issue, nor will it be. I saw more in the bowl game. I saw way more in the bowl game that got me excited about his future than I did that has me worried about his future. I don't even know that I saw anything that has me worried about his future. Now, um, were there some turnovers? Yeah, there were. Uh, Decision making is. Well, yeah, there's there's talent there and. Some players can process quicker than others can process. That's absolutely true. But decision-making is more so experience and being able to recognize what you're seeing before the snap than it is anything else. Like, that is yeah. – that's reps, that experience. His, his pocket presence in that bowl game was incredible. The ability that he had – with chaos around him, closing in on him, to not even be bothered in the least bit by it and still have his eyes downfield was next level, and it was almost too good. He'd have a guy, like, standing right next to him that just beat a blocker, and I'm, like, in my head screaming, throw the football, dude, and he would just kind of step up, move, buy a little bit more time, no panic, eyes stayed downfield the entire time, and then get rid of the football. I mean that, like, that is something that you can't teach, and decision making is something that you can teach. Sure, and and even the bad decisions that happen, most of those, like, what what did he end up with? Three interceptions in the Alamo yeah. Bowl was that it? Well, I think two of those were on the first two or two out of three possessions. Like after the first three possessions, played really well. After that, he had yes. the bad interception. After what? Arizona got the big play on defense on the yeah, fruit right. fumble. 
But I, like if, if you were to just look at things from third series on, like it was it was pretty good after that. And like you tell me that the run game's good next year and it's consistent. I'm not telling you I'm overly concerned about Jack Snorrell. I'm not. But even the concerns I do have go down pretty significantly if you can tell me that the run game's really good next year. Right. That's pretty massive. Will the run game be really good next year? Well, I think I'm more confident in Jackson Arnold than I am in that. So maybe my biggest concern is just that more than anything is the run game and the consistency of it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Cautiously optimistic. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap things up next. Stay tuned. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. If you're looking for a no-appointment-needed doctor's visit, head to North. Final segment of the day, wrapping it up on this Monday. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. What do we have tonight in terms of big Monday basketball games? We've got West Virginia at Kansas State, and we've got 15th-ranked Baylor at TCU. So no uh, real heavy hitter Mm. basketball games within the conference Cincinnati will be at Houston on Tuesday. BYU at Kansas on Tuesday. Of course, OU at Iowa State on Wednesday. So not any great, necessarily, midweek matchups, but Saturday is KU at Baylor, Houston at Oklahoma. Just a couple of mentioned there. So Saturday will be a lot better than the midweek, but it looks as though Houston's going to end up uh, winning the league, man. Yeah, they're, they're a full game up right now. Um, and they get to play Kansas at home to end the season. That's going to be a good game. Um, I still, for whatever reason, haven't been able to watch nearly as much Houston as I have everyone else. I've seen seen plenty of Kansas. I've seen you know Baylor multiple times. Seen Iowa State multiple times. I still have only seen like I think. A half or, or something of Houston. Did you at least see the reason. highlights from their win against uh, Baylor? I think yeah. it was. Didn't Houston hit a shot at the buzzer that didn't count? Yeah. And they went oh, overtime. Is that right? and, yeah, yeah, they hit a shot at the buzzer. It looked like they had just won the game on a crazy shot, but it didn't count. But they went in overtime and won anyway. Man, I think Baylor's pretty pretty good basketball team. As man. do I. As do I. They have they have played. The big boys extremely tight, and what other games they've lost have been really close battles. They're they're a really solid basketball team. I think, I mean, between Houston, Kansas, Iowa State, Baylor, and then, I mean, what's that, four, and then two, three other just kind of, like, mid-seed teams, like, yeah, Big 12 has a chance to do really well in the tournament. I do, too. Uh, Big 12 conference champs, not for basketball, but for football when OU's out of it. OU's odds are plus 5,000 to win the SEC. K-State listed as the favorite at 3-1 to one to win the Big 12 next year. Hmm. Yeah. I, personally, I thought Utah would be the favorite. Yeah, that's who I would take right now. But, you know, it Utah is going to be playing in unfamiliar territory for the most part, right? And – be honest, I don't even I don't remember seeing their schedule, what it looks like. And I know they're at OSU. I think that's their toughest game. Yeah. 
Uh, K-State favored Utah at 7-2, to two, so it was like plus 350. Kansas with the third highest odds. Then it goes Arizona, Texas Tech, UCF, Iowa State, then Oklahoma State at 16-1. to one. Hmm. Surprised by that. Team that played yeah. the conference championship last year and returns their best player and also the 48-year-old quarterback they have. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kansas is a team to look out for, too. And I know you mentioned them, um, but if Daniels is anything close to what he was before the injury and they got some other good guys coming back, they're going to be incredibly dangerous again. All right, that's it for us. You guys killed it on the text line again. As always, you drive the show. We're just along for the ride. Let's go have an ice-cold Pacifico. Pacifico.